0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark Podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy who needs more snooze. A film critic, the Beatles' white album lover, a telekinetic alien, a narcoleptic, a dark dragon-beating, cookie-searching, brush salesman, a Resident Evil crank-owning, tree-stump wand-wielding, Nickelodeon slime-eating, hide-and-seek award winner, Brandon. How are you doing today, Brandon?
1: Man, I am Badass. I mean, kinda. I mean, I got
0: cranks. You're telekinetic, so do you really need the crank? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's just for the fun of it. So do you think you own the White Album, or do you just love it? I just sort of like it. Oh. I
0: don't blame you. I don't know if I said it in the podcast or not, but I went back and I listened to some of the Beatles' White Album, and I didn't care for it.
1: (laughs) The Beatles. Not for Cortland.
0: I'm really not that big of a Beatles fan anyway. I'd like a few of their songs, but that's about it.
1: You know, I actually really didn't gain any sort of appreciation for the Beatles until the Beatles rock band came out. Wow. You're a nerd. <laughs> Before then, it was like, you know, I knew Hey Jude. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I'd never actually listened to it, but I knew of it. <laughs> And then the Beatles rock band came out, and I was playing it, and I was like, oh, shit, all these songs from commercials are Beatles songs. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, I know this song from the Battery commercial, or I know this song from Old Navy. I know this song
0: from The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan.
1: Yeah. Yes. That is where I know everything. (laughs) Everything I know, I learned from Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) Oh,
0: Uh, don't about um, I'm in me prison too. right
1: now. Um, I'm not meant to be recording. <laughs> I got to keep it down.
0: Hey, my wife and I looked up Lindsay Lohan the other night, and I think she's on the up and up. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think she's doing good. Well,
1: good for Lindsay.
0: She's still got gigantic lips, but that's okay. She's hey. looking a lot better than she was no like judgment. six years ago. Don't judge what? Lips? I can judge all yeah. the lips.
1: I mean, hey, your lips, bigger or small? As Big or small, I judge that's them all. okay with me. Now Amanda Bynes, what's going on? Dude, I looked her up too. Um she's
0: not as much on the up and up, but she's uh I think she's in like rehab or something. So you know she's,
1: okay, that's, she's doing good. That's like a up on, up and middle. Yeah. She,
0: she's still a lot more famous than we are.
1: Oh, b- we're getting there. We're catching up. <laughs> we're getting there. I'll be in rehab soon. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay, sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs>
0: so Brandon, did you do anything fun this week?
1: Fuck no. Next. Me neither. <laughs> how how was your week?
0: Uh, it was okay. I um I bought Final Fantasy 7 and 9 on the Switch because they're on sale. Really? Yeah. I've been Seven playing nine, Final Fantasy 7 with my 4-year-old. Well, 8 wasn't on sale. I plan on getting it eventually, but I'll get it when I have money. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> so my son has been uh wanting to play final fantasy 7 and it's probably not the greatest game for a four-year-old to play because of like you know the the death and the cross-dressing and stuff but he likes it so far
1: there's nothing wrong with cross-dressing
0: okay i guess
1: <laughs> and death also and killing murders blood explosions yeah the game's got all, it's that. all good it's got all the goods <laughs>
0: All the good stuff. So that's what I've been
1: doing. Nothing. I made chili last night. Whoa, I had chili like two days ago. Get the fuck out of here. I know. Insanity. Man, the lives <laughs> we lead. Our
0: our telepathic connection is still there. You were like, mmm, this chili's so good. And I woke up in a fucking cold sweat like, You we were <gasps> like, "Chili, beep,
2: beep, beep, beep. beep.
0: Chili. <laughs> oh, man. So... Yeah, that was that was that. (laughs) We got a lot to discuss, though. Do you want to start getting into this nonsense that we got going on?
1: We do have a lot of nonsense in store.
0: All right, Brandon. Well, today we are recording our season two wrap up. So we got a lot to go. Yes. You want to get into this? Let's do it. Okay. I feel a little bit bad because we didn't even talk about anything you did this week besides the whole chili
1: ordeal, but. Well, that was it. That's what I did. That was my week.
0: (laughs) Your week is summed up in one word. Yes. Yes. All right, that's fine. We got a lot to do, so let's just sploosh right into this <laughs> fryer basket into the good choice of words. Perpetual sewers. Today we're going to be starting with some viewer questions because I don't know since like Dark Dragon, I've been asking people to send in their questions that we were going to be recording this, doing a little AMA like we did last last season. So we we got some questions though. We got like a variety of them actually. All right. I'm kind of hoping I didn't miss any because I got sent in from, like, uh, all the different sources. So, if I miss your question, I'm so sorry. Send it again. We're going to do this again, and I'm sure for season
1: three. Yes. So Just means your question wasn't very good. Oh,
0: don't tell them <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I know. <laughs> so our first question that I'm going to read today, it comes from Rachel. And she says, hey, guys. Hey. Now that you've hit season two finale, which has the better storytelling, season one or season two? Hmm. That's a really tough question. I think overall the quality of the stories are better in season two, but the ones that are good in season one are just like really good.
1: I'm going to say overall season two is better than season one. Yeah. I'm going to say the lows aren't as low. Mm -hmm. The highs are maybe higher. So yeah, I think the storytelling is only improved in season two.
0: Yes, I agree with you. She also asks who, I mean, this might be a spoiler for later, but who's your favorite character from season two? I know it's hard to top Bostic, And it is hard to top Bostic. He is the name of one of our Patreon tiers.
1: Well, he is the star of Midnight Madness. <laughs> he so, is the, bo- the, 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 the Bosticks uh, of, of Beacon, Beacon Hill. Hill. So I'm going to say yes. Bostic's still my favorite main character. <laughs>
0: yeah um you know what i'm gonna be different here i agree but i'm gonna just for argument's sake i'm gonna say Zebo from when andrew mentions him in the tale of the whispering walls all right <laughs> that is such a cop yeah answer, totally <laughs> all right we'll tell you later what our favorite main characters and side characters are so we're not ignoring the question for now but <laughs> i like our answers <laughs> so thank you so much for the questions rachel up next, we have a question from Bryce, who asks, was there a particular story told by a member of the Midnight Society that could have been told better by another member of the Midnight Society?
1: Oh, that is a good question.
0: Um, man, I honestly, like, I like the Tale of the Dark Dragon. I think if Gary would have just told it, it would have been better, though, if he had control over Sardo.
1: That's interesting, and I agree with you. Sardo is Gary's. Yeah. And my my answer is also a story that should have <laughs> been Gary's. Dream Machine, which Gary read, oh, man. but did not write. Yeah, I think it would have been better because then they all would have ended up lost in a <laughs> vortex for all eternity. And they probably deserved that, yeah. honestly.
0: Billy would have been buried alive, and, and Jennifer and Sean would have been nibbled on together in all eternity in a fucking Halloween dance. Yeah. He, Bryce also asks, if each of you had to be trapped, in parentheses,
1: temporarily... In one of the season two episodes, which would you choose? Temporarily. Hmm. I'm going to say you probably wouldn't want to be in Locker 22. No. Being temporarily trapped in the 60s would be an absolute nightmare.
2: Well, the late 60s. the Ugh.
0: Um, hey, man. Get the fuck out of here. I think the coolest one would actually be the tale of The Final Wish, because... It reminds me of being in Tale of Laughing in the Dark, where there's all those doors that you can open, and I just want to know what's behind all of the doors, all of the fairy tale doors. Like I want to hang out with that witch with that pizza paddle.
1: <laughs> Plus, you'd get to meet Bobcat.
0: Oh, that'd be amazing! Yeah, that would be that's amazing.
1: That's what I'm gonna go with. This final wish. Hey, everybody! You here temporarily? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could go into fo- uh, Frozen Ghost and ha- hang out with '90s
1: Melissa Joan Hart. Mmm, pass. Oh my god, okay. Uh, I'm gonna say 13th floor. Oh. I wanna twist that stupefying knob. (laughs) See how crazy (laughs) things get.
0: Would it, okay, would you be an alien though, so the atmospheric pressure wouldn't affect you?
1: Temporarily, I guess. Okay. I would temporarily be like a boring, no-face alien, (laughs) and I'd just turn that knob up all the way. Billy would be like,
0: like right away,
1: and I'd just be like. Grrr,
0: grrr, grrr. Karen would be like, "What the fuck is going on?" And you'd ruin the whole episode. <laughs> what are you doing?
1: <laughs> just twisting that knob.
0: Just over there, like smiling at Karen while you're twisting the knob.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that you're sounds a master, fun, Brandon.
0: You basically you just said you wanted to kill a kid. Next, just make him a little <laughs> stupid. It's all temporary. Oh, right, right. Temporary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for the questions, Bryce. Those were good questions. I enjoyed those. Next up, we got Michael, who asks, who's your favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark episode writer and episode director? Well, we don't really look into that stuff too much (laughs) in the episodes. No. But, I mean, for this question, I did look it up. And I think we each have a different favorite. Yeah. Mine is Ron Oliver. Who um, he wrote and directed The Tale of the Full Moon and then another episode, which I'm not going to say because Brandon hasn't seen it yet. And he also directed Laughing in the Dark, Dark Music, Super Specs, Old Man Corcoran, and Magician's Assistant, as well as some other episodes, too.
1: That's a strong catalog.
0: It is, yeah. And, you know, I can look at this list and see what else he's done in, you know, seasons three through five. And there's some really good ones in here that he's done. So, I'm looking forward to getting to them. And a funny part is, there's a little trivia section that says, In the episode, The Tale of Old Man Corcoran, one of the gravestones read Ron Oil as a reference to him. And Brandon and I made mention of that, saying how Ron Oil is not a name.
1: It is not.
0: So, Ron, Ron Oliver, if you're listening, we're sorry.
1: Speak for yourself. Or at least
0: I am. I mean, Brandon, who knows? Not at all. <laughs>
1: right. Well, I looked it up, and... Looked up some of the episodes that I thought had really strong direction in writing. And I gotta say, my man, creator, DJ McHale, he's my favorite. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, he is really
1: awesome. (laughs) Midnight Madness, Whispering Walls, Dark Dragon, the most hilarious episode of them all. Yes. (laughs) He, He really captures comedy and horror.
0: He does good. I got to say, though, Ron Oil did do Full Moon, and I think that was a really good blend of comedy and horror, too.
1: That is that is some pretty good goofs in that episode.
0: Yeah, less so on horror, but that's okay. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for the question, Michael. Up next, we have Brett, and he has a multifaceted question. He says, what are your personal favorite and least favorite episodes of the season? Well, we we'll are definitely get into that because we're going to rank them all from 13 to 1. So we're going to put that question on hold for for just a moment. But he also asks, are there any episodes where you two completely disagree on this? I'm very curious. Yeah,
1: we'll get into that too. Mm. I have a feeling. I think we will, yeah. I have a feeling that there's going to be a difference of opinion on a few episodes. I know. Spoilers,
0: my favorite episode is The Tale of the Frozen Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I apologize, Brett. We will definitely be getting back to these questions. So you're just going to have to hold on for just a moment. But like, Probably like 30 moments. So, our last questions come from Kim. Our first one is, Brandon, I'd like to hear your best Australian accent.
1: My best or my worst? Because they're the same thing.
0: Oh, then, yes, all of that.
1: All right. Uh, 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 um. Oi, my favorite episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Is the Tale of the Hungry Hounds. I like when she says Mon Petite Rouge, eh?
0: (laughs) Oh, you sound very Crocodile Hunter esque. I love it. Good. I thought that was really good because I've tried to think about how to do an Australian accent and I can't even. Let's hear it.
1: Just do uh... it. Oh, I might. <laughs> That's how every I impression don't know. starts.
0: <laughs> it's either that or, oh, sh- all Bobby. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know that many famous Australian people besides, rest in peace, Steve Irwin.
1: We've got. Crocodile
0: Dundee. I don't know. We've got
1: Russell Crowe, oh. uh, Hugh Jackman.
0: Oh, he's Australian. I thought he was from New Zealand.
1: <laughs> no, he's ours. Oh, okay. And that's it, right? Yeah, pretty much.
0: Okay. <laughs> so I can't. I mean, you guys got Kano too from Mortal Kombat. He's Australian.
1: Woohoo! <laughs> We've got Kano, everybody. He's, <laughs> I mean, we, he's got a red eye. He also has like a plate in his head. <laughs> cool. Got a plate and a bowl and fork.
0: (laughs) All right. Kim also asks. She says, "Courtland, which Midnight Society member do you think Brandon is most like?" (laughs) Who? I think you're probably most like.
1: Oh, don't say it.
0: Probably Gary. I think. (sighs) Okay. I think your interests interests would most align with Gary. I think your stories would be more like Gary's than
1: anyone else's. I I think...
0: You were scared I was going to say David. Oh maybe. my god,
1: I was holding my breath and I was turning blue.
0: <laughs> Brandon's got a unibrow like David, oh, god so damn it. boom. <laughs> she also asks, and Brandon, which do you think Cortland is most like?
1: I think that you are most like Betty Ann.
0: Oh fuck, I forgot
1: about Betty Ann. <laughs> <laughs> she,
0: that's why.
1: She's so forgettable. I thought for sure you were going to say I was most like Kiki. I know, and I knew that you would think that I would say that. (laughs) Yeah, I could see me being most like Betty Ann. You're a Betty Ann until you get angry. Then you're a Kiki. (laughs) You wouldn't like me when I'm Kiki. (laughs) I'm going Kiki.
0: (laughs) Be like, Kiki smash! (laughs) Those were some good questions. I really enjoyed answering those. Thank you so much, everybody. Really appreciate it. So Brandon and I have a special segment next where we had some questions of our own and we reached out to the series creator, DJ McHale, and we asked him some of our silly questions and he actually answered us. He's a really great guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't answer us.
0: (laughs) I know. I'd see that and I'd be like, okay, spam, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, he answered us. And, um, He gave us some great answers to some of those searing, burning questions we've had since all the way back in season one. So, Brandon, do you want to read read the questions that we asked him, and I'll read out his answers?
1: I would love to. Okay, great. All right. Question one. How did you define the line between what was too scary or dark for a children's show? Were there any things that were rejected for being too scary? That's
0: a great question that we asked him. Let me... (laughs) <laughs> We're incredible. <laughs> so DJ did answer that. He says, at first I didn't want to show any images that might last in a kid's memory and haunt their dreams, meaning a disturbing monster that would sear itself into a kid's brain forever. <laughs> the rule didn't last very long. It held for the pilot episode and then went out the window immediately with the severed hand in a jar and Zebo and the little girl ghost in the mirror and more and more. But from a storytelling point of view, I just used what I thought was common sense. That meant not showing anything truly violent or implied or gory, only off camera. It's Hitchcock 101, meaning true tension comes from what you you think might happen as opposed to what actually happens. I don't remember anything in particular that I rejected as too scary. Frankly, reading as much of what's written on social media about the show, it kind of bugs me that people often judge the worth of episodes based solely on how scary they are. I can agree with that. That's kind of a low bar and a one-dimensional criteria. Being scary wasn't our main goal. If that was the case, the show would have been much scarier. I was more interested in telling good stories with weird twists that got you thinking, like the Twilight Zone. So for me, Are You Afraid of the Dark was more about odd mysteries and interesting tales rather than making an all-out fright fest. I believe that the reason Dark has lived in people's memories for so long is because of the unique stories and not solely because of the boo factor. I agree with DJ.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that he said that because as someone who hasn't seen the show before, I feel like from the advertising and from just the what I've absorbed of the show over the years, like my impression of the show was that it was meant to be this terrifying like watch it if you dare kind of thing. Yes. But as I'm watching it as an adult and at, for the first time, I'm seeing, and really appreciating and enjoying a lot the episodes. I've said it before, like, certain episodes. I'll say it's not scary, but I don't think it's trying to be scary. Yes. And, like, I just appreciate the storytelling and things. So, yeah, it's interesting to hear that because, yeah, I thought the show was one thing, and then I watch it and I realize it's kind of something else.
0: Yeah, it's... I love seeing the directors using camera tricks and stuff it's like they're experimenting and seeing what works and i like it it's like a journey you know and and even episodes i know we talk about the hungry hounds in every single episode but even the hungry hounds has things in it that are enjoyable it's not a scary episode at all but just like the imagery and the backgrounds and you know the character acting just everything else can be enjoyable it doesn't have to be scary
1: Yeah. All right. Question number two. What was your inspiration for doing the show and making spooky stuff accessible for children? Was there something in particular that scared you as a kid? And did you craft any episodes around it?
0: So DJ says, I was already working in the kid TV space, so that's where my mind went. I had written the TV adaptation of Encyclopedia Brown, Boy Detective, for the guy who became my partner, Ned Kendall. Candle. Oh, God, it's an old man Corcoran thing. (laughs) He and I set out to make something that would work direct-to-video. We're going to have an old-time actor sitting in a chair in front of his fireplace reading fairy tales. But we couldn't decide on what fairy tales to tell. Ned asked me, what kind of stories did you like as a kid? My quick answer was scary stories. So fairy tales became scary tales... The budget went up, and it lo- no longer made sense for the director video so we pitched it to Nickelodeon and made it a show. So yes, I have a long history of loving scary stories, and
1: I totally have bozo-phobia. See, <laughs> Zeebo. I just gotta say, I love Encyclopedia Brown. I didn't know there was a TD- TV adaptation. I don't know what Encyclopedia Brown is. Oh, I had a giant collection of Encyclopedia Brown books, and there were these books of short little mysteries, and it was this boy detective and his partner Sally, <laughs> and they would get into these scrapes with the local bully bugs Meanie. and wow. there would be like it would end with Encyclopedia Brown being like, and I know exactly how this happened. And then you were supposed to go like, hmm, okay, how did this happen and logic it out yourself? And in the back of the book would be the explanation, but I always just skipped right to the back and I was like, oh, so that's how it happened. I don't know why it made me flip all the way to the back to read the end of the story. It was only as I grew up that I was like, oh, I was supposed to figure it out for myself.
0: (laughs) That's pretty cool, actually. I like that. It's kind of like the Scooby-Doo, except probably way better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question three. How did you figure out which characters to have reoccurring, like Vink and Sardo? Was there any discussion of having Sean O'Shannon from Jake and the Leprechaun be a recurring character? My co-host and I agree. He was absolutely fantastic. I do agree. Sean was fantastic. He was really good.
0: I feel like, you know, Bostic was our favorite character from season one. So I can't complain that he got like a little mention in season two. But a mention from Sean would be a, would have been really cool too. Yes, DJ says, glad you liked Sean, but he was a bit one-dimensional. He says, not the actor, but the character. With reoccurring characters, there has to be a built-in possibility for additional stories, and that's what happened with Vink and Sardo. I didn't originally plan for them to be reoccurring. I wasn't even sure if we'd have a second season of the show. But they both turned out to be so much fun, it was natural to bring them back. With Vink, while hanging out on the set of other episodes, I'd spitball ideas with the crew, imagining what other guys' Vink could turn up in. A chef? A film director? A hairstylist? That's how great the crew was. Everyone was so into the show that they think outside the box of their individual jobs to help make the show better. With Sardo, besides being such a fun character, the fact that he had that wacky curio shop offered all sorts of opportunities for stories. I think that those were really good choices for recurring characters.
1: Yeah, Sardo is is wild. He, yeah, he is
0: he just from super specs it was like man he was so into it and it was just enjoyable to watch and i'm really looking forward to seeing him more
1: yeah with think i mean from the two appearances we've seen from him so far like he probably they could have just said it was another character with different names and i wouldn't be i wouldn't think anything of it yeah but sardo is definitely a character yes i mean we'll see what Where Vink shows up from now. I like him in Midnight Madness more than I did Phantom Cab.
0: Well, Phantom Cab wasn't even... I mean, it wasn't that great of an episode, so... Vink did good in Phantom Cab, but he was way better in Midnight Madness.
1: Yeah. Final question. Would you be able to explain where all the unique and weird names of characters from Season 1 came from? Weeds, Day-Day, Ouija, Jam, etc.? I know Dede's name was almost immediately rectified in the nightly neighbor's book, but who came up with all the other odd name choices?
0: This was the question I think that we needed to know the answer to. <laughs> you know, yes,
1: like it was burning it was in this our brain, hot,
0: searing question. And I don't know if anybody's ever asked him before. I hope they didn't, but we asked, and his answer is surprisingly very simple. DJ says, they were all nicknames of guys I grew up with. And that's it.
1: (laughs) Well, there you have it.
0: (laughs) That's where all the silly names came from season
1: one. That's kind of a a relief, because I really can't imagine any writer sitting down and being like, okay, what's this (laughs) character's name going to be? Ah, yes, Day Day. I
0: know, right? I really like it. That just is so personal. That's cool.
1: um, That is cool. Could you imagine being one of those guys and being like, "Ah,
0: day day, <laughs> yeah, right." <laughs> hey, what's up, weeds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were those were a lot of fun. I did, you know what? I'm Thank you, say, DJ,
1: for answering our questions.
0: Well, we really appreciate all the questions we had, and I hope I hope DJ enjoyed answering our silly questions too. Maybe we'll have some more in the future for him. We'll find out later. I'm sure we will. Dude, we're going to come up with such ridiculous questions.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, he's going to be so sick of us.
2: I know, I can't wait.
0: Uh, He did say that he listened to the podcast and he thinks that we're funny. We had him cracking up and he thinks that we do a very fun like mystery science theater um, type podcast. And I thought that was a very nice compliment. I really liked that.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect anyone to listen to this podcast.
0: I know, me neither
1: let alone the creator of the show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) That's crazy. So at this point, uh, we've been doing a season two giveaway. You know, it started... I know, right? Last season, we gave away the complete season one on DVD. This season, we're giving away season two on DVD. We've been running a giveaway since um, the week week 11, Tale of Magician's Assistant. And we're going to be picking a winner right now. And the winner is at Cherry Cyanide. Congratulations! I'll be sending that out in the mail soon. All right, Brandon. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of this season. It's already all right. I I can't believe that this is gone already. But we're done with season two, and now we're gonna
1: chit-chat about it. Just finish it, flush it down the drain. It's done. Season three, here we come. But first, wipe our hands.
0: Let's talk some more about season two, though, as a whole, and also all the right. Episodes I suppose we can. So there was a lot of characters in this season, not so yes. uniquely named, but that's okay. So we have had I don't know the same amount of main characters in this season as <laughs> season one. I'm sure, but uh,
1: <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. Same amount of episodes. Who do you
0: think was your favorite main character in season two? Out of all the episodes. Those would be, you know, like Jill from Final Wish, Billy and Karen from 13th Floor. Hmm. Questionable for Dark Dragon. (laughs) We'll get there, though. (laughs) (laughs) Charles and Daphne from Frozen Ghost. Who do you think was your just overall favorite character? Favorite main character?
1: I could answer this from different perspectives. It's a tough one. For example, I think... Man...
0: I feel like this one's is a little more contested than season one was. I feel like the yeah. the characters in season two, the highs are high and the lows are low, <laughs> but there's not as many lows for for characters.
1: Here's the thing: the main characters. Dean from Dark Dragon is not a good good protagonist, but he is hilarious. <laughs> yes, he is. He is absolutely hilarious. Jerry. Casey is the most ridiculous <laughs> transformation. <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. The entire thing is absurd, and I love it, but like I said, he's not a good protagonist. He's not.
0: I mean, I guess the question is who's your favorite, not necessarily who's the best. <sighs> That's what I'm
1: thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. He may be my favorite, but I don't know. It, I keep coming back to Jill Yeah, from Final Wish, and I think it's just because of the performance of that actress was so strong. I hate
0: you. Yeah. Why did you do I that? agree with you. I also really enjoyed Pete.
1: Yeah. Pete is good. My he
0: was did. like the character that you'd want to be friends with because he takes his job seriously. He seems like he's fun to be around, a little bit of a nerd, he saves the day. He seems like a really cool kid. He's smart.
1: Yeah. A lot of the characters in any kind of scary situations, they're dumb because otherwise there wouldn't be any conflict, there wouldn't be any tension. Yes. But Pete's smart He figures shit out He thinks of What he can do to fix it And he does it
0: Yeah I'd say the same for Jill too though
1: Yeah Jill was trapped in a Sleepy void And she was like Alright The hell do I do Do I smash this Do I (laughs) Throw this Get the fuck out of here Yeah
0: I probably have to go with Pete Pete and Jill Are like equal to me
1: I'm gonna go with Jill I'm gonna go with Pete then No (laughs) Man. All right, we're like you pick the Pokemon, yeah, the,
0: me the starters.
1: <laughs> All right, Gary, I pick Jill.
0: So, what about our least favorite main characters? I'm gonna- Sean. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt, that's my yep, least favorite. Sean, character show.
1: he's fucking a, a disgrace. The less said about this sociopath, the better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, if you guys don't. Don't remember Sean. He's the main character of The Dream Machine, in which he had a typewriter that he could manipulate people's dreams, and he used it very poorly.
1: <laughs> he, manipulated. he used it to write That's stories sure. about
0: killing his friends and making a girl fall in love with him, and it was just, ugh, it was gross. Sean's the worst.
1: Yep. No discussion there.
0: No. So let's move on. <laughs> yep how about our favorite supporting character from the episodes those would be <sighs> those would be like gus from the 13th floor the <laughs> the machine operator was basically uh, yes famous um, gus the mom from full moon or uh, magician's assistant maylene and greta from frozen ghost i'd say ben from shiny red bicycle kit and marie from tail the hatching i mean Everybody that's not so important, maybe like the manager for Midnight Madness. I don't know.
1: Would Shandu count here? As I think a Shandu would count supporting character. Yeah. Okay. Well, then in my mind, it's between Shandu and the mom from, from Full Moon. Full Moon. Yep. I'm going straight with my girl, she... the mom from Full don't Moon. Don't but mom. She was me. fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she... Just straight up badass fifties mom. Yes, I loved her.
0: Shandu, I like Shandu too though. He was he was I a like great Shandu.
1: Actor.
0: I like Shandu, but man, why wasn't it Sardo though?
1: I'm gonna say something controversial here and say I think I like Shandu more than Sardo. Oh my gosh. Really? Yes. Wow. Well,
0: you're off the podcast.
1: <laughs> I, I like I like Sardo. Yeah. He chooses the scenery mm-hmm. in every scene that he's in. He is fabulous. He is fantastic yeah I don't know. I like shandu. that's okay.
0: I like shandu too, and um, I think that you know what I said why wasn't it S- Sardo, but that's just because that's Gary's character. you know you'd think that it would be, oh, I have this magical character, why wouldn't it be Sardo? but I like the episode with Shandu because it had a lot of movie references, especially towards Evil Dead, and I don't think I wanna not in a mean way, but I'd like associating that with Shandu rather than Sardo.
1: Well, the thing is, the impression that I get from Sardo is that he's, I don't want to go too far and say a con man, but he's kind mm-hmm. of a shady dealer yeah. rather than a powerful sorcerer. Very good point, yes. So it would be kind of weird to see Sardo in the like Obi-Wan role.
0: Yep, I couldn't agree more,
1: actually. Now that you
0: say that, I can totally see it. And I agree. But with you. But that's
1: what we love about Sardot, is that he's a little bit slippery.
0: Yeah, it's it's Sardo. He's like, I don't it's... know what fucking potion you're talking about. Here, try this one.
1: He's like, fucking take the children. I'm out of here. <laughs> yes,
0: but I mean, I gotta give it to my girl, Mom <laughs> from 50's Full Moon. Mom, yeah, Fifty Mom, Fifty Mom takes it for me. Creep. <laughs> that's great. Oh, uh, dork! Go, go get, get the, the jed. jed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Ooh, favorite villain. What was your favorite villain for the season?
1: Oh, okay. There were some interesting villains.
0: Yeah, we got Gordon from Full Moon, uh, Raymond from Whispering Walls, Mr. Schaffner <laughs> from Locker Twenty Two. I uh, guess in the Final Wish, literally everyone that's not Jill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the entire world against yeah. Jill. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Jill versus the world.
0: Uh in the tale of the hatching, I'd say mom and dad for just dumping their kids off for six months.
1: Six months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, and Vink from Midnight Madness. <laughs> Even though, like, let's be honest here, I would be on Vink's side. I would be I would do anything Vink wanted me to do. Like he'd be like, clean up the gum. I'd be like, Yes, sir, you're
1: amazing. Is Vink really a villain? He just wanted his movies played. I mean... Okay. Sure, they released monsters, but... <laughs> he didn't
0: want to release Nosferatu, but also, he had that planned in case the manager guy didn't do what he said. He was like, oh, well, then I'll spring my trap.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you got a Nosferatu, use it, but <laughs> I think he just wanted people to see his shitty movies. Well... And like let's let's talk about 13th floor for example. Was anyone okay. really a villain in that episode?
0: I would say they were no. really
1: just trying to rescue this girl. Yeah. They were weird as hell. Yeah, they were. Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard. He was one of DJ's Karen's friends. Best-
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to ask him about that one. Like, all right DJ, did you have any secret friend names? <laughs> in season two. Leo nerd. Like, Leo nerd. <laughs> I am Leo nerd. No, I would get, I would say that they're not even villains. They had Karen's best interests in heart. Billy was just, like, there, so they had to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They had to stupefy him.
1: I mean, when you're trying to rescue someone and someone else is getting in the way of the rescue, like, you gotta make them a little stupid, at least. They didn't want to kill him.
0: Yeah. I'd argue that Candy was a villain in Locker 22 as well. <laughs> she she didn't explain a damn thing. She's like, go back in time, <laughs> explode for me so that I can live.
1: Yeah. there's There was a lot of, like, ghosts wanting people to join them in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Like... Raymond <sighs> in The Whispering Walls. Like Biker Boss <laughs> in Old Man Corcoran. He... Seemed like he wanted to just play some games, but I think he wanted to kill those kids.
0: I think he did, too. And
1: Candy wanted those kids to die, so they would take her place and she would be alive. <laughs> yep. That cold kid just wanted other people to be cold. Yeah. huh I bet. Ghosts just want you to be ghosts with them. They're, they're lonely. Raymond, he was a really fascinating villain. Because the entire time I was watching the episode, and while we were discussing it, I'm just thinking, why? Mm -hmm. Like, why does he talk that way? Why does he dress that way? Why does he have these powers? Why is he afraid of the wind? None of it is explained.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Very true, yes.
1: I don't understand anything about him, but it makes him stand out. It does. He's not just some generic villain. Like, he's got a look. He's got whatever. I don't even know.
0: He's got that luscious, curly mullet.
1: He can, like, walk through doors in spin quickly i I don't know but he's interesting
0: he can melt people with acid ice cream
1: and we've got to talk about fake ass goth nazrak
0: oh gosh we should yes he was something (laughs) he had the fingernails of nosferatu and and the gumption of fucking goth
1: and he was also emperor palpatine
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes he was (laughs) his main choice of attack is force lightning he can turn into beautiful women no, at his leisure, beautiful. which is, I mean, that's pretty cool. That is cool. He can float, he can roller skate, and he is defeated by a mirror <laughs> instantly. Back to the vortex with him. I don't think he was nearly as good as Goth because Goth was no. just like,
1: man. He it. is he is just watered down Goth.
0: Oh, man. I gotta say, though, you talking about watered down Goth, when we talk about the ghost children in Old Man Corcoran... We talk about Sissy Vern and being <laughs> Diet Beth. <laughs> 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 she's just Soda Stream she
2: Beth. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. But, oh. you know, we're talking about Old Man Corcoran again, though. Um, would she be a villain or would she be a hero? That's a tough one.
1: I think she's a hero. I think Old Man Corcoran's not a hero, but he's not a villain either.
0: Nah, he's just like a neutral presence.
1: No, I think Dean in Dark Dragon is perhaps a villain.
0: Uh-huh. I agree with you. And Mariah, too. She's Crazy.
1: <laughs> I mean, she's a stalker. We we can't normalize this behavior. No. Um. There's no villain in Dream Machine other than Sean.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, the Dream Machine itself, but...
1: The power is being used by Sean. The Dream Machine could be a conduit for good. It could very easily. They could make, they could end world hunger with that thing. But they don't. They just want to kill people. Yes,
0: and by they and by
1: they, I mean exclusively (laughs) Sean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that we could talk about villains without talking about Sandman, though. From Final Wish, he. That's what. That's what this
1: is leading up to. Yeah. Like, Bobcat. like,
0: Nosferatu was great, but he didn't talk.
1: <sighs> Bobcat? And, and he's also just Nosferatu. That's, not That's cool. I always like that vampire design, but it, it is just that. Sandman, though. Yeah. Seeing Bobcat's take on the Sandman was just beautiful. It was. My vote is
0: going to have to go to the Sandman. The Bobcat voice is so iconic. It is 90s <laughs> to me. It, he did a great job he was menacing but bobcat does funny stuff so he, watching him as a villain is like he could he could do it all he could he be can. a children's television show villain
1: i think he's the winner
0: i think he is too dj McHale went up to him and was like hey bobcat you want to be a villain in a children's show and he was like oh yeah do." <laughs> and uh here we are yeah congratulations <laughs> bobcat Yes. As far as, like, least favorite villain,
1: I don't know. I guess I'm... Yeah. I mean, Schaffner's not very cool. No. He's not. Um, It's like, dude, just stop being shit at your
0: job.
2: Both of you, my office,
0: now! My favorite part about that episode, though, is that he blew up a kid. He killed a kid. It was his negligence He got promoted? (laughs) Yes. Got promoted from chemistry teacher to assistant principal.
1: You sure did kill
0: that kid efficiently. Congratulations. Good job. You made it look like an accident. That's what this school's all about. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to give it to Schaffner. Worst villain. All right. Congratulations, Schaffner. Good job, Schaffner. You won by default. Next. (laughs) Oh, hey, let's talk about which villain had the highest body count. I think there was a couple more deaths this season than season one. Season one had Nanny mm-hmm. and Coda. Nanny from Lonely Ghost, Coda from Dark Music. This season, on deaths that we actually got to witness, we we did pretty much watch Ricky fall into the water and die in the Tale of the Shiny Red Bicycle, even though it was a flashback. That's okay.
1: Yeah, so that death gets credited to the maintenance worker who cranks that <laughs> valve.
0: Yep, it does. He, he killed that right. kid. Unintentionally or not. I don't know what degree of murder that is, but it's one of them.
1: <laughs> That's the degreeest of murder. Yes.
0: Uh, number two is that dog from The Tale of the Hatching. That dog is dead. It got, it got fucking taken under that manhole cover. It got probably fed to the fucking dark dragon or whatever the hell's in the bottom of that school.
1: Yes. The mother got to eat that dog. Yeah.
0: Like, that dog is for sure 100% dead. And we watched it get taken away right on screen.
1: Yes, to some fantastic, upbeat music.
0: Yeah, right? (laughs) So weird. But the tale of the hatching gave us even more death with Mr. and Mrs. Taylor, the goofy villains of the episode. Yeah. They couldn't stand loud music, and Jasmine and Augie play this horrible screeching rock music, and they're like, "Ah, ah, ah," and then they explode.
1: So, the Taylors, the dragon, and all the eggs.
0: Yep, all the eggs. I'm not going to count all the eggs, but I will count that giant dragon because that was dope. And Jasmine and Augie have Mr. and Mrs. Taylor goo all over them.
1: <laughs> yes. Exploded goo. Evidence of their victory.
0: <laughs> I think that might have been all the deaths in season two, though. I tried thinking about it, I couldn't think of any
1: other ones. Hmm.
0: I mean, if we're going to count the dragon, I guess we could count
1: Nosferatu. I mean, all the deaths get undone. Midnight Madness, the manager guy gets killed, and then he just comes back and he's like, whoa, I had a headache or whatever. (laughs) Locker 22, Candy's dead, then she comes back. Mm -hmm. Nobody really dies. I mean,
0: I guess the ghost boy from Frozen Ghost dies. We don't actually get to see his
1: body, but... No. He's still dead. He just has a jacket now.
0: Um... Tale of Dream Machine, you know, they all get out of their deadly
1: As much as Sean wishes everyone was dead, (laughs) they survived the ordeal. Unfortunately,
0: yeah. I think that's about all the deaths, though. What do you think was the scariest moment this season? Hmm. For season one, it was very obvious it was the doll. But season two, there's more.
1: I'm gonna say that the scene that I thought was the creepiest was in Whispering Walls with Louise holding the baby. Okay. Which isn't actually a baby. It's a bundle of snakes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But just the setup and just wondering, like, what the fuck is this girl doing in here with a baby? Yeah. It didn't make any sense, and it was just creepy.
0: I think that part was creepy, too, but the creepiest part for me is also from the Whispering Walls. But it's the part at the very end when the kids are about to escape and... Andrew's handheld fan isn't working anymore and Raymond takes over Luis again and then he also takes Claire and I was just like holy shit like what the fuck is gonna happen like how are they gonna get out of this shit like for a moment I was concerned and then Victoria came out and she was like fuck you Raymond and she opened the door and (laughs) we got that amazing effect
1: yeah so there was nothing quite as like standout scary as the doll scene
0: no. A lot of the episodes did some tension to building. Locker 22 yep. had the back and forth between 1968 and the present day. <laughs> Dream Machine had the tension of that fat teacher just taking a shit and as she's reading the story and the kids are looking for her eating donuts and stuff. So there's a lot of good tension building. But yeah, as far as imagery and creepiness, I think Whispering Walls takes it for me too. Yeah. We have next, a highly contested category, The Most Useless Adult of Season 2. This one's a tough one. I'd say almost every adult in Shiny Red Bicycle is pretty useless. But also, Final Wish. Most
1: adults. Yeah. I mean, they're not just useless in Final Wish, they're actively abusive.
0: Yeah, they are actively against the main character. I know at the end, mom gives her a smooch on the forehead or whatever. But for the first like twenty-two or twenty-two minutes of that episode, she hates her. She hates Jill. So does does the dad. In in shiny red bicycle though, everybody is just like trying to brush aside his uh, Mike's post traumatic stress, just being like, "Oh, you're fucking wacky," you know. That's very off putting to me. But
1: they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, I think that's a different time. time.
0: Yeah. I can't really, I can't really fault it because it is in, it's, it would be treated differently today than back in 1993. Um, who else? I mean, the mom from Sorcerer's Apprentice. No. Magician's assistant. (laughs) She was a good mom. I mean, she
1: just worked.
0: Yeah. She She worked. She just wasn't there. Charles's mom and dad pushed him away to a fucking ghost infested house. That's not that
1: great. I mean, not dissimilar to what happens in Hatching. hmm
0: At least they are present there, I guess.
1: I mean, yeah, they're personally the ones to ditch them at the school <laughs> rather than having some limo driver abandon them at a haunted house. Yeah, Louise in Whispering Walls, she's not really an adult. She's, like, 12. Yeah. But she really didn't do anything except get captured and, like, set traps for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she did throw a snake at the kids. <laughs> I mean, maybe.
1: It wasn't really her. I know. But, yeah. Um, she didn't do anything.
0: Schaffner did kill a child.
1: <laughs> I guess you could say that gross negligence is uselessness.
0: Um, hmm. Dark Dragon had one adult, the dad, but he didn't do anything. That's
1: pretty useless. He made a boring looking dinner. Very true, yeah.
0: I'm going to have to go with uh, Jill's parents, I think, the ones that stand out the most to me as the worst adults.
1: Yeah, because Jill's stuck in a horrible predicament being stuck in the land of Nod, Mm -hmm. but even in the best case scenario, when she gets out of that book, she's still going to be living with parents that hate her. Yep. So her best case scenario is that she gets to live with people who just... buys her existence Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: if i were her i'd just go hang out with bobcat make the best of a bad situation be like hey bobcat let's go hang out with this pizza bitch make us some up some pizzas
1: (laughs) in this oven that's what i'd do he's probably got some good stories Mm -hmm. like he knows everybody's dreams right presumably yeah so he's probably seen some shit
0: i mean he lives in a place where you open up a door and you're in Alice in Wonderland or Snow White, you know, or you're making a pizza <laughs> with a witch.
1: It all comes back to the pizza paddle.
0: I just love it. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. Like, why did she have a pizza paddle? <laughs> she was ready to go. I mean, you're not going to put a kid in an oven with a pizza paddle. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to put a pizza in there. <laughs>
1: She's like, ah, a kid it's a, a lady.
0: it's DiGiorno. And she just pulls out that pizza and she's like, come in for a slice. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> All right, let's move on here. Let's look at the coolest special effects because season two has given us some really fun special effects that we got to watch. It was really dope.
1: Yeah, I remember the shot in Midnight Madness when Pete walks into the screen and that yeah. still looks good. Today. It's a good looking shot.
0: It does. Yeah. It's so... I don't know. There's something about it. It's so mesmerizing.
1: And same with... Spoilers.
0: That's my favorite.
1: Same with Whispering Walls. Both when Raymond materializes through the door Yep. and when the door gets opened and he gets blown away oh, into so smoke or whatever. Yes. I was making the clips of those and I was going frame by frame on those clips and... Like, it's seamless. The effects are That's really nice. well done.
0: Yes. They're really good. Loved them.
1: I think those are my highlights.
0: No, those are definitely my highlights, too. Um, I do really like the practical effects on the dragon in the Tale of the Hatching. I thought that was cool that they made a giant <laughs> dragon. Or, you know, a miniature dragon and scooted it down a hallway. Who knows? <laughs> but I thought that was cool. What else was there? I, I did not like... In the tale of the final wish, Jill getting sucked into that vortex and having T Rex arms screaming—that <laughs> one was not great.
1: <laughs> it was not the best. No, nah.
0: Those were pretty much the main effects, though. Yeah, I'm gonna say those are those are definitely the best special effects for the episode, or for the season. Was in Midnight Madness and Whispering Walls. Yep. You know, we had a lot of standout lines from season one that we use all the time you know, let's do it, and having a goof, and... Alright. Exactly. But did we get anything interesting and funny out
1: of season two? <sighs> funny? No. Repetitive? Yes. I'm cold. Huh? Ghosts. Ghosts.
2: Ghosts?
0: Ghosts? Ghosts? Ghosts. <laughs> Man, there's some good lines out of Tale of the Dark Dragon. Between Blueberry Pynchon... And he's on the phone and he's like, Hey, man, is KC there? And he's like, Huh? Who? Like, <laughs> you know, like you, you're supposed to everything go out with her today. everything he said.
1: Everything, yeah. The winner of this category is everything he says. Everything
0: that comes out of Dean's mouth is
1: the winner, the winner of this category is Dean.
0: <laughs> I do like some of the stuff that Sissy says in Old Man Corcoran. When she her chicken impression was really good.
1: Yes, she's just not
0: a good actress. No, but her chicken impression she could go places with that. Arrested Development. Oh, you know what? What a really perfect line was though in the first episode, "Tale of the Final Wish." You yeah. guys are just being a couple, a couple of silly, silly gooses. gooses. <laughs> I
1: loved that. Yeah, it's not quite goofing. No, it's not. It was still fun though. It's something.
0: A lot of things from Full Moon were pretty quotable, like... I mean, I would never use this in my everyday life, but... Door, go get the Jed. Or when she was like, oh, you're recording them? Well, shit! Fuck, shit, shit Jed! <laughs> shit. what
2: is the matter with you?
0: And we can't not say... The Calvinator. <laughs> 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 it's in the Calvinator.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is extra funny, because I think Mortal Kombat 11 just... Um, did a trailer for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator being in Mortal Kombat Eleven, and you gotta yeah. watch it because the voice actor they use does not sound like Arnold
1: at all, which is weird because everybody can do an Arnold impression.
0: Everyone, uh, yes,
1: but maybe this... not, maybe not a perfect one, maybe not a baby, but, but everybody else but can. Come on, it's it's really bad. <laughs> That's a shame. I
0: know. I love it. Um. Ooh, uh, looks like somebody's falling fall asleep, asleep in their Corn, corn wackies. wackies. That was a good one.
1: I love Corn Wackies. I love Corn Wackies, too. Every time I think about Corn Wackies. All the time. Man, I wish I had some.
0: Who doesn't? And then, I think the final one comes from Vink himself.
2: Six bucks! <laughs> <sighs>
0: That's a good line.
1: I also like, Give me my my. harmonica. Oh, gosh, yes. Don't put cheese in my harmonica. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? Cheese? I can't play this. (laughs) It blows all the bits of cheese everywhere.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) God, it's
0: so disgusting.
1: (sighs) So oily. So gross.
0: Well, Brandon, I think we should move on to... The Midnight Society members. Ooh. So let's, let's recap what our thoughts were last season. Mm-hmm. Last season, our rankings went from Frank to Eric, who doesn't exist. So Frank to avoid to Kiki, then Kristen, then David, then Gary, then Betty Ann.
1: Okay. So with that list, I would only make one change. Okay. I think. The only change I would make is moving David straight to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think everything else is the same.
0: No, I would put... Okay, so my list would go David at the bottom, which uh, unfortunate mm-hmm. because he did... I liked the hatching. Uh, Shiny Red Bike was a good episode, but man, his personality just killed it this season.
1: His personality and his eyebrows, just too much. Way too much.
0: But... Too much. I didn't... I would say next up would be Kristen. Really? Yeah, I liked um I liked Final Wish a lot, but she also had an annoying she wasn't I don't know. She wasn't as annoying as in season 1, I think, but it just didn't help that David was latched onto her, just sucking the life essence out of her.
1: He did kind of drag her down with him. Yeah.
0: And Frozen Ghost wasn't that good. Locker 22 no.
1: was okay. Final Wish is a better story than anything she told in the first season. Yep.
0: Her best story, for sure.
1: Frozen Ghost isn't as bad as her worst story in the first season, Hungry Hounds. Yep. So overall, she did better in this season than she did in the last season. Yeah.
0: I think third for me would be Kiki, I think.
1: So you'd put Frank above Kiki. I would, yes. Why is that?
0: Because I thought that both of Frank's stories were really good. I liked both of them a lot. And I don't think he is quite as much of an asshole this season as he was last season.
1: He's definitely not as much of an asshole. And it kind of takes away... From his character? Like, his character, I think. Uh. What what are we left with if not the tough guy, Frank? Yeah. What is he?
0: You know what? You know, I think that his his story is that he is a tough guy on the outside, but inside he is a wimp. Because yeah, he gets scared so by too. pretty much everything. He was infatuated with that stick. He was scared to get that the gang was going to burn him alive.
1: Yeah, I think the gang knows it. I think they know he's uh-huh. scared of everything. And Eric, who shall not be named, <laughs> really made fun of him for being scared of the dark last season. Yeah, So... He's kind of like a wannabe tough guy. Yes, yes, he is.
0: I can, I can totally understand where you're coming from with him, his character, kind of degrading this season because asshole was his his thing last season, and it's not so much this season. Kiki, however, is pretty much the same as in season one. She's more enjoyable because she's less. Yeah, I think mean.
1: her her edges are rounded a bit too, but she was. I don't know. I think Frank and Kiki are both better than they were in the first season.
0: I agree. So I think we could flip-flop them either way. Kiki and Frank, Frank or Kiki.
1: I think I'm with you, Frank and Kiki, now. Okay. Now that we've discussed it. All right. That sounds good. Next right.
0: next up, I think, I mean, I, it's going to be Gary and then Betty Ann for me. Yeah. Betty Ann's stories might not have been as good as last season. I didn't care for the 13th floor all that much. And Whispering Walls was good, but, I mean, we both agree it's a little
1: forgettable somehow. Which is odd. Very odd. Because there's a lot about it to remember.
0: I don't know. It just didn't leave as much of an impression somehow. But her personality is just, just so cool. I mean... She's so pleasant. Exactly. She's nice to be around. I mean, I would assume. She's nice to David when no one else is. She's just there for you. And that's what you would want in a friend. Yeah. And Gary... I think he could have been number one if he would have gotten more than one story. Like, if he had more of a presence this season.
1: Yeah. He got to, he wrote one story, got to tell another story, and had another story sort of made for him. Yeah. A very weird collection of Gary adjacent stories. Exactly. Yes.
0: And that's, yeah, that's how I'd rank them David, then Kristen, and then Kiki and Frank, followed by Gary and Betty Ann. Yeah. (sighs) Are you ready to get into. The most interesting category, I would say, the ranking of the actual episodes themselves.
1: Yes. I'm ready. I'm out for blood.
0: Okay. This is going to be a bit more difficult than season one, in my opinion, because we've already talked about this. The lows aren't as low as season one, and the highs are on par or higher than season one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different episodes. I think there's, episodes.
1: there's a couple episodes that you and I, I think, feel differently about.
0: I feel like
1: you're right. I feel Enough it in my bones. that it will be harder to rank than season one.
0: Let's uh, let's see what we come up with. So, let's go from 13 to 1. I think, okay. f- for me, personally, number 13 is probably going to be The Tale of the Frozen Ghost.
1: It, without a doubt. Okay. The episode... Not a terrible It's kind episode. of boring. Not terrible. It draws a lot of comparisons to Hungry Hounds for me, but... It's not as bad as Hungry Hounds. It's not as boring as Hungry Hounds. Right. It's not a terrible episode, but it is the weakest of the season. I agree.
0: And I think that Melissa Joan Hart did a good job. And I loved Maylene and Greta, but it's just it was, like I as DJ said, you know, scary's not the main focus, but this episode was not scary at all. And it was kinda boring because the characters just said, I'm cold over and over again,
1: or ghosts over There's and only over again. so many times you can hear, I'm cold. Yeah. We don't care that you're cold. Not at all. No.
0: Moving on. <laughs> Number 12. For me, oof. I think I would go with The Tale of
1: Locker 22. I thought you might say that.
0: Do you have a differing opinion?
1: For me, I think the 12th best episode of the season is the tale of the hatching
0: oh wow okay for me um locker locker 22 i like the episode so i mean it's already way better than hungry hounds and phantom cab like for sure like i think if it was yeah. in season one it'd probably be middle middle of the road but for me i i hate 1968 i'm sorry like people that are born in the in 1968 you know you're great but the music the aesthetic some of you the <laughs> yeah Some of the music, all of the aesthetics, (laughs) I hate them. I hate teachers that blow up kids. I hate ghosts that try to get you to blow up in their place. The tension building was good. The character of Julie and Chris were all right. But I think there was better in season two.
1: I think that I am a sucker for time travel.
0: Time travel is really cool. Yeah.
1: Time travel's awesome. It's easy to mess it up and make... A nonsense story. It's yeah. hard to get it done well, and I'm not going to say this is the best example of time travel. And the ending kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I don't think Candy should have come back alive.
0: Just the implications uh, of are just yeah. Be, it's, it's beyond it's the scope of the episode, but just thinking about it, it's like how many lives are totally different now.
1: Yes, how many lives don't exist? How many lives have ended? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so I and I don't mind the 60s. I, I kind of like <laughs> some of the aesthetic. I like period pieces. For me, Tale of the Hatching was just too much of a retread of things we already saw. Yeah. You mean Dutch Angles and specifically, th- right? <laughs> exactly. Just seen, that one. We've seen
0: thing. the Dutch Angles already.
1: <laughs> we've seen it. Get a new trick. Try Upside Down yeah. next time. We already did that in Super Specs.
0: I can see where you're coming from with that. You're right. It is basically a retelling of the Sorcerer's Apprentice in terms of the setting, for the most part. And, and its I'm gonna being say under not as
1: good as Sorcerer's Apprentice.
0: No, you're right. And Goth it really makes it. We talked about this when we talked about the villains. The villains are goofy. They're not menacing or threatening at all. I will say though, I do like in the Tale of the Hatching the the dark aspect of it. I mean the tailors say that they're, the kids always end up getting eaten by this fucking giant dragon thing. And it's like, you can kind of see bits of clothing or something in that hallway. It's like, how many kids have this thing eaten already?
1: Yeah, I mean, they are enslaving and making zombies out of children, even if they're not getting eaten, which they will after the eggs hatch anyway. So even that implication is really dark. Yeah. Like, just the fact that they're feeding them this food that's turning them into zombies. Losing free will and just all of that. Like, that is dark.
0: But overall, we've seen this already. We have. So, um, where would you put uh, would you put Locker 22 at number 11 then?
1: No. Oh, snap.
0: (laughs) Well, number 11 for me is probably the Tale of the 13th Floor.
1: Yeah, that's my number 11.
0: Okay. You know, I don't Really, I didn't really care for the episode when I watched it. And the recording that we have for that episode is shit. And I that, I think that makes me hate it even more. Just because of the... I put a whole lot of work into that episode. And it still turned out like garbage. So I know it's not the episode's it was just,
1: fault. It was so weird.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a, the a lot of designs, A lot of ideas going on.
1: The design and the weirdo aliens. Yeah. And... I guess their idea of what a kid would want and it's so weird. The alien design, the toy factory setting was
0: ugh, like a just a bonkers. Explosion. Billy and Karen weren't <laughs> weren't that great of actors.
1: No, not really. Just the the sudden powers and just yes. Pretty much everything everything about that episode is bonkers. I agree. Going on to number ten, I
0: think I would put. This is probably where I would put the "Tail of the Hatching"
1: at ten. Yeah, eesh.
0: <laughs> I, like, I mean, Augie and Jasmine were. F- I don't know. She did a fucking sick robot.
1: I liked Jasmine. She's the best part of the episode for sure.
0: Augie is kind of fucking annoying. He's a good kid though. He, he doesn't just
1: spouts facts
0: yeah oh man that kid with the bowl cut that the dips his finger in the sponge though i hate that kid (laughs) he's like "Mm." hate him (sighs) that kid sucked but yeah that's probably where i put hatching we kind of already talked about it um i like the practical effects i like the explosion i don't know what would you put at 10
1: uh old man corcoran oh shit
0: i really liked that episode (laughs) yeah i know it was a good episode
1: I like old man Corcoran. Corcoran? Corcara. Cor- 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 Cor. Cor- old man OMC. O-M-C. I like him, the old man. Yeah. That's what I like about that episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like I like the ghost kids, and I like not knowing what their true intentions were.
1: I liked Kenny. He did Kenny a really good job. was good. The actor did a really good job.
0: As good as Kenny was, (laughs) his older brother Jack was not. Awful! Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I think I like that one more than, I don't know, that one's probably gonna be middle for me. Number nine, um, Tale of the Dream Machine.
1: Yeah, same with me.
0: That episode was, there wasn't very much talking, so in terms of me taking my notes, it's the best episode. But, yeah, Man, it's, Sean the is The concept so is really
1: cool. Yeah. The concept is very cool. It's probably one of the coolest concepts of this whole season. Just the idea. The execution, it could have been a lot better, I think.
0: Yeah. That's the main reason that it's down there for me as number nine. Because Sean just, he did not use that power well. And it, it sucked.
1: <laughs> no. Like, obviously you couldn't make an interesting story about a guy who just you know, write stories about winning the lottery or whatever. Like, you'd yeah. be like, all right, that's boring. But do something other than killing your friends, maybe. Yes, totally agreed.
0: <laughs> Just wanted to kill everybody. All right, number... Eight. Um, Man, I don't even
1: know. This is where I put Shiny Red Bicycle. Ooh, really? Yeah. Wow. I think number eight is a clear line where everything above it i'd say i really enjoyed.
0: So you like Shiny or you like Locker 22 more than Shiny Red Bike? Mm,
1: no. Okay. I have Locker 22 at 10. Oh, okay.
0: Um, you know what? There is a lot of good episodes this season.
1: Yeah. It's not so much a these ones are shit, these ones are good. It's kind of varying degrees of good.
0: Yes. Yeah, I know that a lot of people that take Shiny Red Bicycle as one of their all-time favorite episodes of the entire series, and I could see mm-hmm. why, because it it do- has done what no other episode has done yet, where it talks about real hard-hitting issues. It could yeah, be relatable to a lot of people.
1: It's an emotional episode. Yeah, and that's awesome. You don't have to have experienced a death or even anything close to it to empathize and get the emotion from the episode. Mm-hmm.
0: I do have to say, though, this episode is probably the one that's dated the most. Because nowadays nobody would treat Mike like this. They would be more supportive to his mental health. Mental health is a very important thing. Yes. So I see your number eight. And uh, in terms of how much I liked it and everything and how much enjoyment I got out of it, I agree with you. I think number eight's a good spot ah. for a Shiny Red Bicycle. Number seven... Is a tough one. I think I'd say Whispering Walls. Really? Well, it's it's between Whispering Walls and
1: Dark Dragon. I have Dark Dragon in this spot.
0: Okay. I'll agree with Dark Dragon.
1: Dark Dragon is carried by its comedic performances. (laughs) And the absurdity, just the absurdity of all of its characters and their motivations. I think it is unintentionally amazing. I'm not even sure. I'm not insu- I'm not sure how much of it is intentional versus unintentional. I just know that the result is fantastic. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Yes. It's silly. And yes. The makeup like in it,
0: it is silly. Uh the characters are silly. <laughs> the main characters are basically the bad characters.
1: Yes. You you are meant to be rooting for this asshole to get together with the stalker.
0: Yeah, so weird.
1: And it's like, I guess, you two weirdos, go together.
0: <laughs> I had a ho- I had so much fun talking about that episode, too, so that helps it out. Yes. What number are we on? Seven? I don't know. Next up in line, for me, would probably be
1: Whispering Walls. Interesting. Why is that? Because... Is it just the forgettableness of it? Yeah, it is. The heroes Andrew Claire and
0: Louise are all for the most part forgettable.
1: Yeah. Raymond is the thing that stands out and mm-hmm. he's just a weirdo. Yeah.
0: The ghost people were cool. I liked how they appeared in their um portraits. The baby snake scene was interesting. I did not understand the ice cream part, but it was a thing. It was just there were so many ideas here and they all I don't think they quite cohesively meshed together.
1: No. It's, it's a bunch of interesting things slopped together.
0: Yeah. But the
1: effects I think, were dope. I think well. I can agree with you here on yeah. this spot.
0: Like, if we run through the entire series when we're done, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm like, all right, it went Dark Dragon, Frozen Ghost, then Full Moon.
1: Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait, I did like that episode.
0: Yeah. I also think Old Man Corcoran is going to be one that
1: I forget too, though. Even though I like yeah. that episode too, yeah. it's it's good. It's a good episode, but it is forgettable.
0: Yeah. So after that, I think what's next? I think Magician's Assistant is probably next for me.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I like Magician's Assistant a lot.
0: Well, what's left? We got Magician's Assistant. Oh, Full, Full Moon. Moon. Yeah, Full Moon, I think for me, Full Moon and Magician's Assistant can be interchanged.
1: I think Full Moon... I think you liked Full Moon better than I did. Yeah.
0: And I think you liked Magician's Assistant more than I did, which is fine. I did.
1: Yes. Full Moon is goofy. It is goofy as hell. Yeah. And it's good to have a goofy episode every once in a while. Uh, Yeah,
0: I agree. I think this is probably what I would... Talking about what DJ said, where not every episode had to be scary. This is probably... Like, when he said that, I was like, oh, full moon. Because there was one jump scare in it, and everything else was just absurd.
1: I mean, Huey. Yep. We didn't talk about Huey, really, when talking about characters. Oh, yeah. We but didn't. that dude's fucking crazy.
0: <laughs> he is insane. He is okay with being the dog for Jed by, like... Playing fetch with him. He can pole vault over a six foot fence. He takes a bath with a fucking hair net on, and his phone is right next to him. <laughs> oh man, he's a he's a golden girl. That perm to hair is insane. He's great. The mom is spectacular. I liked the nameless neighbor. In fact, I like that they didn't even give him a name. Jed was a, one. a great character actor. I mean, a, a great child actor. I hope we get to see Jed again. Like, I hope he is a returning... Not him as Jed, but
1: just the come actor, back for another episode. Yeah. yeah. But
0: yeah, I'd agree with you with Full Moon. Uh, what do you think is next?
1: Uh, I think Final Wish.
0: Hmm, okay. All right. Uh, we're in the top three right now. So we got Final Wish, Midnight Madness, and Magician's Assistant.
1: Yeah. You would probably swap Magician's Assistant and Final Wish.
0: I think I would, yeah. And, I mean, no spoilers, Midnight Madness
1: is, is number one. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's the best episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Final Wish a lot. I really like Jill. I like the character of Jill, even though no one else does. <laughs> Bobcat is Bobcat, as we've talked about Yeah, already. I like everything about this episode, pretty much. Except the ending, which is needlessly cruel to a girl whose life is already... Needlessly cruel.
0: Yeah. That did not need to happen. Um, you know, I bet you that we're in the minority here. I could see how people wouldn't like this episode. I could see how people would think that Jill is a whiny brat who gets what she deserves. But, I'm here to tell you guys, everybody else is wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jill is the shit. Yes.
0: She is strong... When she needs to be. She's understandably whiny. If I was in that situation. And Bobcat was you know. (laughs) At me. I would be like. I just want to go home. You know. So.
1: I don't know why she wants to go home. But I mean. Hmm. She doesn't want to stay there either. She's between a rock and a hard place.
0: (laughs) But yeah. I empathize with her. I want her to have the best life. And I sincerely hope. We get to see her again soon.
1: Yes, I can see putting. Final wish above Magician's Assistant. I just like Magician's Assistant because I like the wacky pop culture kind of remix. Magician's Assistant to me is the pinball wizard of season two. Yeah, It matches up almost exactly. Mm -hmm. And they're both Gary stories. And that's his thing. And I love it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just... The cool kind of adventure.
0: Yeah. I love the way that they paid homage to other movies. You know, I mean, I know this isn't a movie, but like the Evil Dead references, the Indiana Jones, the Star Wars, it's all there. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's silly. Yeah. And it's cool. There's a lot of bike riding, and it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More so than in The Shiny Red Bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I do got to say- yeah. Todd, and his reaction to the realness of magic is <laughs> fucking nuts, though. He's just like, wow, magic's real. I've been living a lie my whole life. Like, dude, what? You have infinite power at your hand, like in your fingertips, and you're just like, wow, would you look at that?
1: So that's magic. Okay. <laughs> oh, man.
0: The Tale of the Midnight Madness. Pretty good episode. I think this was the last episode where we got a Midnight Society interlude, too.
1: Yes. So this episode's got everything. This episode's got mm-hmm. Vink. Yep. This episode's got Nosferatu. This episode's got Bostick's of Beacon Hill. Ooh, yes. Yeah. This episode's got that old lady eating that recycled popcorn. Oh, I forgot popcorn. about that old
0: lady. Yeah. Oh, you
1: forgot about the old lady?
0: I loved her, and I forgot
1: about her. <laughs> She's secretly the best character, season two. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the slimeball manager isn't very cool, no. but he's
0: there. I liked his accent, or at least the accent I gave him when I talked like him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what he actually sounds like. He just sounds like your impression of him in my head. <laughs> have, so I yeah, Pete is a really good character. Katie. She's she's pretty good.
0: Yep, Nosferatu is is creepy, even if it's not just, Nosferatu. I,
1: but that's okay. I just love, I love the Nosferatu vampire design.
0: Me too. The setting is cool. Um, the stakes are high. It has a good ending. I would work for Vink. <laughs> it's it's just overall a good episode. I think overall the best of season two.
1: Yeah, best episode of season two. All right, the tale the midnight madness yep you
0: got it all right i think we're done yeah oh you know what though brand i got a couple questions for you
1: oh shit
0: so we're done with season two next week we're recording season three episode one are you concerned that there's going to be some midnight society changes
1: uh i'm actually very concerned who are you concerned for like of these characters (sighs) who do you think would go i don't want to say it because then i feel like if I say I like a character, that they're going to leave. Okay. Do it anyway. <laughs> <sighs> I'm afraid Dave's going to go.
0: No, not David!
1: <laughs> He's my no, favorite! No, but um, I feel like Kristen is destined to leave this show. Yeah. Rachel Blanchard is... Yes. ...destined to do other things, and I know that because I've seen her in lots of other things. <laughs> That's the hit, yeah. So I feel like she's going to go, and even if she's not my favorite character, she's very much like my Midnight Society. Like, I'm watching this for the first time. I assume that by the last season, it's going to be very different, and everyone's going to have, like, their idea of, you know, who their Midnight Society cast is. Yeah. But I'm still mourning Eric over here i mean
0: eric's not sucked. he sucked but that's you know i just wish they would have said something like oh dude he went to a eric school moved that's done he's in the united states now bye <laughs> but okay so you think of everybody it'd be kristen that is whose time it is to depart the midnight
1: society yeah that's okay. my feelings
0: all right we'll see what happens in a week but the next episode up, season three, episode one, it's called The Tale of the Midnight Ride. Of the cast members from season two, who do you think would tell this story?
1: Yeah, I think this is Day-Day, Christian's replacement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Interesting. Um, probably Dave. I think it's Dave's story.
0: Okay. Well, what do you think The Tale of the Midnight Ride is going to be about?
1: This really sounds like a a phantom cab sort of thing. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So if somebody's hitchhiking. It's late at night. They get a ride from somebody. Turns out the driver's a ghost. Pretty simple.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that it? There's, is there more?
1: No, okay. just a, a large <laughs> march.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, I will find out next week because we're starting up fucking season three, season three episode twenty seven. Yeah. Can't believe it crazy man i can't wait i'm so looking forward to season three but for now i've been up all night i think i'm gonna go to bed sleep sleepy all right oh thanks for going over season two with me brandon i will see you in a week it's been fun it has been for the start of something incredible season three let's do it
1: next week
0: (laughs) you got it all right everybody